Hey, everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it's time for... It's fun! It's fun! Happy holidays. We almost didn't do this. We almost didn't do this. I know. It's like I've wall-to-wall Zoom calls, it seems, for the next two days with clients, and everybody wants to plan for 2024, and you're like, don't you take a vacation or something? Like, take take some time off? No, no. Let's talk about the year ahead. So it's fine. I'm happy to do it. As you can tell by the size of my hair, I have one more TV uh, appearance (laughs) to end the year, and then I'm off. Then I'm off until the 4th, I think. I, I don't. I don't ever remember having this much time that I've like, okay, because I'm always working on radio fill in. And this year I just went, you know what? I think I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to spend some time with my family. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, but so we'll be, <sighs> This will be our last show before, and then we'll be back in the new year. I don't, I'm not sure which week, second week, probably somewhere in there. We'll let you know. Yeah, we will to, for sure. Look at Stay calendar. tuned to this space for more. Unspunpodcast.com is where you can <laughs> always find the very latest from George and Jody. Um, <laughs> and what, how many? How many episodes have we done now? Is this 239, I think? 239 weeks yeah. of Unspun. And this week we thought we would just have a little reflection back to the year that mm-hmm. was 2023. Do you ever go like, what year is it legit? Like, because of COVID, because of what we've been, like, is it, is it 2022? No, no. I, 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 I'm a little bit amazed that it's going into 2024 because I feel like those, that so much, that last three, four years were lost of because of covid and then everything else you know create chaos of whatever uh yeah. i just feel like that it and maybe it's just because i'm getting older time flies but i feel like when i talk to everybody i know it seems like yeah like it was 2019 five seconds ago uh and then we all went into the darkness for a couple of years there and and uh it's almost like those were non-years so yeah i kind of forget what the hell you were in in fact this week i kind of i thought i i keep thinking it's friday because it's Christmas. right it's friday <laughs> it's like, it's like, no friday? um Further to what you were saying there on how we were all sort of sucked into darkness, mm-hmm. if we may, right off the top here, to our regular listener or viewer, um, reiterate the fact that, you know, a lot of us are feeling that post-trauma of the pandemic. And what we kind of like skipped through thanks to, you know, an unprecedented amount of influx of government support and you know people looking to one another and trying to be like okay we're helping each other just making it through skinny your teeth and then things have kind of you know hit hit a wall of okay well now you owe your serb back and now you got to pay your loan back and now your people aren't inflation's up and interest rates are up and that like i'm yelling it because it feels like that level i just want you to know that if you're not okay that's okay Mm-hmm. And you should reach out to somebody to talk to about how you're feeling, because this too shall pass. We have all survived our worst days to get to today, and yeah. we just need to keep moving forward. And if you're feeling, if you're feeling on the edge, and this time of year can bring it out, yeah, I'm putting my hand up on that. I mean, it's a tough one, but I have good people to talk to, and it's super helpful. It, whether you're talking to a therapist or you're talking to somebody who maybe doesn't hang in your friend group and doesn't know everything about you anyway and rant but just like you're not alone this mm-hmm. too shall pass and and i think that a large majority of of just society on a global scale is is kind of going wasn't 2019 yesterday and were we just told to go home for 21 days and then all of a sudden it was three years later 
Yeah. And then you have all the other stuff that's going on in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and 2024, at least till recently, was looking quite dim, but I'm feeling more optimistic about it now based on some data that's coming out. But Kate, let's talk about that. Let's go with optimism first, George. Give me the data. Nice. Come on. Well, I I think when we're seeing the market uh, is a good sign when the when the stock market starts to bounce back. Uh, some people may hate that, but it's usually a good sign of confidence. Uh, and I think it's been a pretty rough year if you've been a year and a half or two in the stock market. Uh, real estate doesn't seem to have crashed, but you know the way they thought it might. But it's certainly slow. Certainly in our market where we live, because we're and and I think you have some interesting data about that. But coming up, but. Um, you know, I feel like I'm working on some projects for the new year. There's concern, but, you know, confidence as well. And, and you know, so it's just that general sense that maybe it's not. And, and you look at in the United States, I mean, Biden's having a challenge helping people understand how good things are. They're not as bad as you feel. But sometimes feelings, as you touched on there, about the economy, are it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, too. If you don't yeah. feel confident and you're then then that actually causes the stagnation and stalling of, of the economy. And and uh, so how do you build in 2024, build people's confidence back to if you believe in the market economy and how it helps everything else? Um, how do we build that confidence back? What why I think we're just in the doldrums in general because of that. And I think people should feel pretty good about 2024 based on what I'm seeing. Um, and, uh, and certainly I'm really focused for my business. If you're talking about business, especially, um, as far as being optimistic about 2024 on the projects that I'm working on for my own, my own business. In fact, my campaign uh, university, by the way, yeah. passed a thousand private followers in our, in Great. our group, with thousand, which is a big thing. You know, this is a private group, but you, anybody who's interested in politics, check it out, the, the campaign university, but it's, it's a big deal. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a good sign. You know, this is things it's are a happening. very good sign. And you're going to be teaching people how to be good leaders, which is another part of it, because I think we are void of those in some areas. We've kind of mm -hmm. leaned in on on the the ugliness of um, even beyond wedge politics, yeah. like to to no. like gaslighting and and alternate facts. And and we're, we're also starting to see we're not going to go deep into what's happening in the United States, but mm -hmm. we are seeing some significant consequences there for some people who have appeared to be getting away with some. <laughs> You know, did you not see that? Did you not? Did you not watch that? Like, there's some of those kind of things that are coming back. You know, um, the Colorado decision. You're maybe specifically, specifically the Colorado decision. Yeah, the Colorado decision where it was decided yeah. by the Supreme Court there that Donald Trump would not be on the ballot for 2024 because he took part in an insurrection, and that is written into the Constitution. It's got the Trump base rallied, and they're making money off of it, and they're calling it all like all whatever. Uh, what I found most interesting in listening to um, the lawyer, while that news was breaking, I was listening to the lawyer who brought that case to the Supreme Court of Colorado. And interestingly, as the Trump supporters were saying that, you know, voters should decide anybody should be allowed on the ballot. Well, no, anybody's not allowed on the ballot. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not allowed on the ballot because he's mm -hmm. not born here. He was able to be a Republican senator, but he was not governor, able yeah. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, governor. My bad. Yeah. Mm, I always screw that up. Yeah, you can be governor, governor but you can't be president. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. And you know what? You know who else couldn't be on the ballot? Barack Obama. And I bet there's lots of people who would like to vote for Barack Obama, but he's already served his two terms. Two terms. So you Which, can't have way, another it one. It should be the limit in Canada. <laughs> I agree with you there. Two, term, two terms in that in one position is enough. What do you think uh, will happen politically in Canada uh, in 2024? Uh 
I think, well, we have a provincial election at this point. It's the split on the right, Conservatives and and then the newly formed, the newly named BC United. Yeah. I just think it's a cakewalk for the NDP at this point, uh, unless something happens. But we got, you know, they're just sitting back enjoying the potential election in October. I saw some polling that came out on the BC or federal liberals, you know, and, and you know, Justin Trudeau is definitely in trouble, but maybe not as bad as, you know, I predicted that he might step down call and i think he should but then i saw the polling on all his alternatives and it was terrible terrible like terrible data on anybody to like he, his replacements all do worse than him pretty much yeah so this is this is good for him but probably bad for the federal liberals uh, do you there's think no transition concept here happening do you think that the glow that was sort of there for polyev's conservatives um had you know seen recent polling that has seen that dip a bit um do you think people are getting tired of the, you know, eight years of Justin Trudeau at the start of every sentence? Like, do you think it, he it, needs to pivot in in his messaging in order to continue to to grow the base that he has seen, the things that he has been successful in in tapping into? Well, you know this, Jody. We talk about this election campaigns, and then there's a, there's everything else, and nothing really matters until the campaign starts. Uh, he may have peaked for the moment um Polyev but yeah. I would say that his messaging is certainly more clear than what we're hearing from the federal liberals uh and you know time is your worst enemy in politics yeah so it, it can you know if you stay too long people just boot you out um and even not even sometimes usually it's internally and so that's kind of what's interesting is that there doesn't seem to be a big movement internally with Trudeau to boot him out just makes them stronger potentially to run as is but i think the people then go mm, these guys are kind of done um you know that's that's the question you always have to ask and if the new leader no matter what you think of polyev seems fresh and new um fresh and new is sometimes more appealable that that certainly was what trudeau was the fresh fresh new face no of kidding people Ottawa. were over stephen yeah, harper kind of like a, yeah and it was a and they, they obviously over it. the antithesis and it's funny because polyev you would have said was like uh Harper, Harper. but he's not. He's actually no. a bit sparkier. And and his stuff, his social media has been quite strong. And yeah. uh so he's got a good marketing team behind him. That's for sure. As a marketer, I'm like, that's pretty clever. Yeah, it's that's like the clever. biggest Golden Knights Twitter account. It's slick. Let's talk about uh look them up if you don't follow the Vegas Golden Knights on Twitter. They're yes, so that's good. Right. Oh yeah, their um, marketing is amazing. Let's talk about interest rates and, you know, people feeling the pinch of a 6% mortgage. And it's so funny because I do remember being a small child and my mom and Bruce moving us from uh, North Van. Mom and I, uh, my brother and I lived in North Vancouver and, and mom and Bruce bought a house in Tawasson because it was too expensive to live downtown because interest rates were 18%. So yeah. talking about how painful 6% is, um, can sound crazy to some people, but then at the same time, when money has been basically free for the better part of a generation, um, people who got in at an inflated price at an interest rate and unlike, you know, in the U S where your mortgage is 25 years long, you know, there's, there's some real risk and vulnerability for a lot of Canadians at this level. However, bank of Canada talking about cutting rates and hopefully bringing it maybe as low as 4.25% in the coming um, six to 12. 
Yeah, and and I remember my my parents too. That early eighties, eight, you know, twenty two percent, and it it destroyed us. It did. Yeah. My dad was in real estate, so we can imagine. Um, and but I, I my first place I think was seven and a half percent in ninety five. I think it was my first place I bought, and it was a real push for me to find that kind of on a hundred thousand dollar apartment at seven percent was a you know I think our mortgage was seven hundred dollars a month at that time yeah. it was a lot. For, a lot, a lot. You know, I'm feeling getting to feel old now. But uh if you just now in, if, it's just <laughs> starting now. <laughs> I'm the same age as you, more. so I can rip you for that. We're both yeah, the same yeah, age. Exactly. So whatever. They, they 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 that seven, I mean that yeah, I mean I have a mortgage due in June and uh but it's not a million dollar mortgage. If you if right. you a person, a young 25-year-old who bought an apartment for eight hundred thousand at three percent or two and a half percent, and suddenly your mortgage is eight percent. And you're sitting on eight hundred thousand dollars. That's that's scary. It's a, a couple lot. thousand potential. You know, that's a lot of money. So More. every percent is like on a you know on a on a hundred thousand dollars is a lot. So it's cashola, and that's a good reminder actually. Before the end of the year, before the last banking days are gone, um, if if you are a new homeowner um, and even have a, a little bit of something in your savings account, and you're on that variable rate. Um, you know, you do have the opportunity to knock down your mortgage a little bit each each year, each calendar year. Um, so you can, if you've got a little extra, you can put a little extra. And I know a lot of people don't have extra, but. But you got to do it. You got to think about it where when money was free, you wouldn't necessarily do that. And if you had to, you could take out of your mortgage. But, you know, if you can ease up on your monthly mortgage payments because a big chunk is going to interest you know yeah. talk to your mortgage broker and, and figure it out and i think it's up to 20 percent on on most mortgages that you can you know knock down each year and and, and each year could be you know today and january 2nd it's not yeah. like 365 days from now so you could in the interim see yourself net more by pushing some in that's Just right. Saying. If yes. in fact, if you look at, you have to weigh the odds of RSPs and all those other things, and what's a better place to put your money, depending on the interest rates. So, I'm not going to be a financial advisor here, but definitely, no. uh, you know, lines of credits and all that stuff. Any way you can get rid of those. Right. Um, People forget also, about that. People forget they're like, oh, my line of credit. Oh no, it's like it's like 1.2%. It's like no, it's not anymore. It's <laughs> not for a while. No, but that's no. just it. People are mm -hmm. not looking. And they don't want to open that piece of mail that looks like it's from the bank. People don't want to see it. And Guilty it's scary. It's scary. Um, you know what else is scary? George, do you have a GP? Yeah. I do. I have had him since I was 21 years old. And before that, I had him at my do other doctor until I was 21. So I've only had two doctors in my life. Wow. Yeah. I, my doctor died. He, uh, yeah. And he's, he's, he was the GP for everybody in my family, like my my parents. He died just as my stepdad was dying. So that was, was he old uh, or no. Oh, tragic, tragic. Um, he got E. coli and he had an autoimmune disorder and it plunked his kidney and his oh. liver simultaneously. Oh. It was terrible, just terrible. And what an incredible human. He was just unbelievable and such a touchstone. You know, anybody who came to me saying, do you know any GPs? I would go to him and I'd say, Hey, you know, this person and da da da. And you're like, yeah, I'll sure. Yeah. I'll take it on. Meanwhile, his overhead is going up. Like he just, he's managed everything. And boy, would I be in his office in the last couple of weeks, just being whew, so much going on in life. 
And, uh, you know, people don't have that. And, uh, you know, if I've got like, oh, what's that mole? I'm like, I'm not getting that checked out because I don't have a GP and I'm not going to emergency to get my mole checked. I'm not going to a walk-in clinic. And to get, to get to a mole check, you have to get a me. reference from a GP yeah. to go to see the mole doctor. Right. Uh, so yeah. it's a process. And, t- and they have, because I had that, and it took me six months to get my appointment with a skin doctor. Six yeah. months. Because so, Which like, means. Well, what? They say, well, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> like, I, I, and worse know, outcomes. Yeah? Leading yes. to worse outcomes. So. Exactly. How do we. I, I, and my doctor, he's, so he's probably, he must be pushing 80. And I asked him last time I saw him and I see him once a year. My dad died when I, when I was 21, he was 49 of a heart attack. So I've always kind of been conscious of my body and uh, perhaps overly <laughs> thoughtful, but, you know, maybe, maybe a bit paranoid, uh, but every little bit I get checked. Um, yeah. And even, even when you do that, I'm always like, what, why is that up? I'm taking care of myself. I go to the doctor, but you still got your body. Sometimes just gets old. <laughs> Um, it's depressing, but anyways, and sometimes uh, you know what? Peace of mind, though. Like I would giddyus with my former physician. I would go in because I'd be, you know, worried about, uh, you know, a soreness here or a discomfort there. Or I'm feeling kind of odd, and I'd go in. I'd see him. He'd run the test. He checked me out. Nothing changed. He just checked me out and I, and said, "You're fine." And I'm like, "Okay." And then I didn't feel, I didn't feel worried about anything anymore. Exactly. And 100%. people need that in their lives. We need our elected officials and our tax dollars to go towards these basic things for people, for all people, not just because it's happening to me. I mean, like I said, I've, I've been watching it happening around me and, and empathetically like pulling people in anywhere I can. I try and be a bit of a butterfly and who can help and who can help. And, and by the way, anybody want to help me? <laughs> it's just yeah. like, we need to help each other in this way. You know, I went and got my eyes checked because I can go to the optometrist, get my eyes checked. You know, I do the yearly, I got a new pair of glasses, $750 later. What does the person do who has a couple of kids and all of them need glasses? Yeah. And you're living paycheck to paycheck and you can't afford your groceries nor your rent. How? Okay, guys, sorry. We're just not going to see this year. What? Yeah. I know it's it's brutal, and I mean, I just the medications. If you know that I know that my one of my kids takes, it's not cheap, and uh, I, you can sort of see that. I think that we're in for a, a massive change in how med, med, medicine is delivered. I mean, I took a, yeah. I took my my blood test, scraped it, put it into Chat GPT, and said, and analyze this, and it came back with the exact analysis that my my GP had given me on my word for word, basically really? what he said about my data. And and that's just me scraping the information and putting it into Chat GPT. So do you think your physicians using Chat GPT? No, no. But because no, he's eighty, data. right? No, they see four point three here and to seven point seven there or whatever. They go, that means this. And uh, right. so, but I think that that's that technology, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, but but government doesn't want to embrace that yet. They're too afraid of it. They don't the speed at which and and doctors push back on a lot of these things. If you look at the pharmacists and how they finally in the last year. And full disclosure, one of my clients, I did the ad campaign for the BC pharmacist, but it took forever to remember my uh, article in the Orca about that. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, t- I took Brady yeah. into the doctor, and they're like, "Well, he might have no." A Br- a Brady had a sore throat, and I was able to go. It was brand spanking new that you could go to the pharmacy to get the strep throat test, see if that sore yes, throat is strep. Right. And I thought, "Oh, let's try it." He probably and they can- isn't. And we go in, and it is strep throat. And I'm like, "Okay, so." you know, the antibiotics he needs for that? They go, yeah. I said, okay. And they Please. said, no, you have to go to your doctor to get them to write the prescription for the strep throat that we just tested your kid and we know he has. I'm like, okay. 
So I walk it, across the street to Brady's pediatrician and I go in and the woman behind the desk ripped the skin off me because she's like, how dare you? How dare you go there? You should come here first. Oh, I see. And oh, then we, really? and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. So that mentality, I am not and it's part getting of better. Your fight, guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's getting better. And it's partly because it's being driven by the, the government saying, and, and the doctors are just overwhelmed. And so they're accepting the fact that they can't do everything. Right. And there are basic prescriptions that pharmacists can provide that are so obvious. Uh, and you can check out what that list is on the website and go ask your pharmacist. But, you know, it's that kind of stuff that took forever to change forever. And so yeah. imagine saying we're going to replace doctors with artificial intelligence. But going uh, back to the, know. going back to the initial discussion about people not having access to a GP, a lot of people, a growing number of people, I would, I would say, um, and then not being able to access some of the simplest of things through a pharmacy. Some things have changed, but the fact that your RSV vaccine isn't covered in your medical in this province, in other provinces it is, and the fact that your, your shingles vaccine is not covered in this province. We are inundated with an ad campaign that tells us we should get these things, especially when we're over the age of 65, get these things. You get mm -hmm. both of those shots. It's like $700. That's yeah. a lot of money. Right. The shingles one, especially. I mean, not just it's the mandatory. $390. I'm, yeah, I'm just I, going I, to get I, it because I've had one. Yeah. I did one, one shot in 2019 just before COVID hit. Actually, I did it in 2020. It was January of 2020. And I got a massive rash down my back that lasted almost a month, oh. which was shitty. But I mean, I, I did the variety telethon for global with this yeah, massive rash. rash on my back. I'll Ooh. never forget it. And I was thinking to myself, okay, well, I guess this is better than shingles, right? I've so, but shingles, you got to wait. Believe me, it's not nice. Right. You have to wait in between to get your next shot. And then COVID had hit and everybody's freaking out and washing their groceries. And, you know, and I'm like, am I going to go get this thing and put a rash on my back again? I don't think I'm going to go. So I've had one shot and I have to start the whole thing over again. Yes, you do, because you have the two-shot process, right? And I've ordered yes. it, and I'm doing it. And if it comes in this week, I'm doing it's it over Christmas. One, yeah, It's a rough one. It's a rough Shoot, one. Because I was sick for a couple it. days from it. So, yeah. yeah. But it's worth oh. it, for sure, because I've had jingles, and that's painful. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. We're, we're okay, all what else are we going to talk about? I want to talk about... Um, we got to talk about what the year in review as well, like Surrey, Vancouver. That's it. Well, that's where I want to go next, because it's, yeah. it's coming down to sort of Brenda Locke doesn't like Ken Sim. Because they used to be like a Vancouver and Surrey together, a big piece of Metro Vancouver, right? Like when everybody's sitting around the table and Brenda Locke, obviously heels dug in on the, on the police policing situation mm -hmm. uh, to say the least. And when the province was stepping in, Mayor Ken Sim went straight to the communications department and and put out a press release of how glad he is that the province is, um, you know, stepping up here to help yeah, resolve the situation in Surrey. Bad, bad communications decision to get involved in another town's issue. I mean, he's working hard to try and build friendships in Victoria, but you got to yeah. draw the line on some stuff like this and let them have their battles. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you look at there's a metro board, unelected board, appointed board, the most powerful governmental organization outside the province of BC in this province. And they have billions of dollars of taxpayers money they spend without anybody knowing what's going on. 
um, and or seeing 90% of the decisions are made in camera there. Um, yeah. You know, the Surrey and Vancouver, are, Surrey the Vancouver represent the majority there. They they, they have control of, of that board. And yeah. uh, for the most part, I mean, they have a, certainly a big sway on it. And it's interesting. I know I was just talking to somebody about this, about when you talk about the next election and, you know, what's going to happen. And I really worry, especially if there's split on the right, we're going to see North versus South BC. And we're going to see North of Fraser versus South of Fraser BC. So North of Fraser being conservative, South of Fraser being uh, NDP, Northern BC being conservative. You think that? I would yeah. have said the other way around. I would have said South of the Fraser is conservative and North of the Fraser is so, NDP. Did I say that? I said that's what I meant. The opposite. Oh, Sorry. okay. Yeah. South of the Fraser, okay. conservative. Do you see how Fraser, much yeah. I've learned, George? Yes. Do you see how <laughs> well much you've done. taught me right there? Well done. Yeah, I know the Valley, I think will go conservative uh, unless it splits votes. And then, uh, but you know, I mean, it's a long time. Kevin Falcon can turn turn things around, but it's going to be. Can he? I don't know. But but that that stuff happening in Surrey. And that's not a slight against Kevin Falcon. I just think that the missteps along this way, um, people not paying full attention, he's wearing it. Well, it's rebrand. We talked about this, and I was always yeah, saying, but it's, it's beyond the rebrand. Name. It's kicking Rustad out, and now Rustad's the yeah, guy, and now yeah. he's rolling yeah. up, and he's like, Falcon's playing a little bit of whack a mole with things. He's flipping on that, and oh, it's a sparkly thing. Wait, people said this, so I'll go with that. It's like, mm. what's you interesting know, is where where is Ellis Ross like... in all this? Where is Ellis Ross in all this? Where Ellis is Ross he? Up in north, Rustad was uh, co-chair of his of his campaign with Suzanne Anton to be the next leader of the BC Liberals. Uh, Ellis did quite well. He's been kind of quiet. He's pretty I like so Ellis. tight with John Rustad. You know, that's that northern vote. You know, you've got the big chunks of the region up there. Those two guys have a huge... See, but what I like about writings. Ellis Ross is he doesn't talk in spin. He could be a guest on Unspun and he'd actually tell us what he thinks and what's going on. And maybe that's... Maybe he's just really good at talking and charismatic in that way. But when he talks about his life, when he talks about what he has survived, what he has been through, what he has seen in his life, the decisions he's made, why he's fighting for what he is fighting for. I mean, that... And like I say it almost every week here on Unspun is I'm not a dyed in the wool anybody. Mm-hmm. I want good leadership. I want people who are most mostly making decisions that I agree with. And I'm never going to agree with everything anybody does. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just straight up, right? You know, the great example of that is what we're watching with the Park Board in Vancouver. Let's bring it back to that because we've only <laughs> okay, got a couple bring, minutes here. Bring it back with, to our favorite topic. Well, with the city of Vancouver and... And Ken Sim and people are, you know, already starting to be like, if he says swagger one more time, I'm going to throw up Uh, world class city. I mean, I love following Justin McElroy just so he'll just for the highlighted parts of the (laughs) the things. But, you know, um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Like we have to do something differently, do we not? Here's what I would have recommended. I thought about this this past week because John Cooper is going to be a bit of a problem for 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 Ken Sim. I think he's being more aggressive. John Cooper, Very. former chair of the Park Board, uh, legacy there with his dad and the Bloedel Conservatory and all that stuff. We talked about John a lot, but you know, if I had been there in the back room, uh, you know, I would have said, "How do we get John Cooper on board with uh, this uh, Park Board change?" And John Cooper might have said, "Absolutely not." But imagine yeah. if John Cooper was the chair of the transition committee. Uh, to take the park board and to work with the province and talk about the future of the park board. And, 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 and people would sit, go, Oh, well, 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 hold on. John Cooper thinks this is a good idea. 
That's interesting. Because uh, well, John uh, you know, wanted to be mayor, and parks yeah. are his favorite thing. Is it too late to have him turn that around? That would be a cool. Imagine. That would be a cool swagger move in a world class city. <laughs> it would be a swagger uh, move. Uh, no, but seriously, like I like a politician who can say, you know what, I got that wrong. Um, we're still going to do a version of that, but. You know, I was watching, this is super off the cuff because I was just watching the pre press briefing um, before we hit record on this with Mark Miller talking about, you know, what the plan is uh, to bring Canadians and, and relatives of uh, Canadians, permanent res residents here um, and their extended relatives from Gaza. Right. Like mm -hmm. here's and I'm, I can't get into the into the weeds on it. But one of the things that and listening to Mark Miller, I had the opportunity to meet him away from a podium once. And I saw the person I actually met his parents when oh, I was yeah. covering the the um, election for Al Jazeera a couple of years ago when I was in Montreal. So I was in the room and I, I saw him in a lighter moment. But he, he is continually, it seems, one of the ministers who manages one of the most precarious files like he's just always sitting with something that is sensitive beyond sensitive and here mm -hmm. he was talking about what Canada is planning to do this is what we're going to do this is what we're trying to do we're going to try and get as many Canadians and relatives of Canadians um, out of Gaza because it's a humanitarian crisis that like nothing we've ever seen before and one of the questions, and I'm sorry, I don't know the, the reporter who asked the question, basically, well, what if, what if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? What if that happens? And Mark Miller just calmly took a moment and said, you know what? I'm sure there are going to be some significant challenges over the course of this. But uh, if we focus only on what will go wrong, uh, we won't be helping very many Canadians. So we're going to focus on what we can do. And along the way, we're going to try. And I just thought, more, please, yeah. more, please, of people like that. That's probably a good way to kind of end. How do we talk for when we talk about 2024? Can we focus on the positive and what we can do that's good? Can we? Can we? And you and I talk, we bitch a lot here, you know, on the show we about do. stuff. And uh, that's kind of, you know, it's we try to untangle this stuff that's spin and, and misinformation or whatever out there. And we can come across as a bit, you know, complainy, I suppose. But in general, our, our hearts, I think, are are in that we just want things to be better. And we yeah. want people to be more honest and open about how what they're doing and 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 positivity is a good thing and and to, to replace you know the word swagger yeah more positivity and more openness uh to a new year and more confidence in who we are and how great things are as opposed to how crap things are and i think that's certainly yeah. a message america needs to think about because all they have to do is look around and go the pretty good world they live in compared to where a lot of people have to live in this world and so let's focus on that and and really lift each other up in 2024 he's on twitter people you get more of this <laughs> on his twitter he's at george underscore affleck at george underscore affleck i'm at jody vance jody with a y at jody vance on all of my socials um and you can go unspunpodcast.com you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or you can watch on youtube and see our fabulous faces every thursday <laughs> Say goodbye, George. Happy New Year, everybody. Bye.